Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, on this, I have to just tell you, rainy afternoon. I think there might be a song there. I want to tell you about my guest. My guest today is Beth Thorpe. Thank you for joining me today, Beth. Thank you, Marsha, for having me. It's a sure pleasure. Oh, it's it's going to be so great, and I just want people to know a little, just a teeny bit about you, then you're going to really tell us about yourself. So Beth is a philanthropist, she's an author, she's a speaker, and along with her husband, she is the co-founder, but she is the executive director, her husband is the CEO of the Mitchell Thorpe Foundation. And I, I would like you to know, I, I think right off the top, because I am looking at this remarkable website that Beth has, and you can easily find it at mitchellthorpe.org. And I'm going to spell the Thorpe. It's T-H-O-R-P.org. So now that I've gotten that out of the way, let's, let's, let's hear a little bit about you. Tell us about your background and, and a bit about your home life. Oh, absolutely. Well, I didn't originally start a foundation. That wasn't my um, intent. This just happened. Um, But prior to my life, I was a graduate out of the Illinois Institute of Art, and I actually was more in the fashion industry for many years and uh, owned my own business. I've always been an entrepreneur and had my own image uh, business called Powerful Impressions, and I'd go into a lot of corporations, do speaking and telling people how to package themselves and brand themselves and to present mm. themselves appropriately. So that was a big part of my business for 26 years before my son got very seriously ill. So uh, I have uh, another son, Matthew, and I have two beautiful golden doodles. They're both <gasps> about 100 pounds. They're huge, but they're gorgeous, and we take long walks on the beach. And those are my things I love to do with my husband and and just stay healthy. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of a little you, bit about myself behind the scenes, <laughs> what yes. I used to do. <laughs> yeah. But each of your doodles weigh 100 pounds? Yeah, they're just, they were bred there's to a, a big standard uh, yes, poodles. Yes, there's a um, standard. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so they ended up being oh. very tall. I know they breed them in different sizes now. So They do, three. They, they, yeah, they actually come mini. in a small, medium, and large, you know. And, I, I, you know, there was a time when you was where you would see certain breeds of dogs in the neighborhood. And I like to walk in my neighborhood as well. And the doodles, oh, my gosh, I, I just, they're, because they're so perfect, aren't they? Because they don't shed, and you don't yes. have, and, they, and if you're an allergic person, you're not allergies. So I just, I just had to throw that out there because I do think those are really cool. All right, now that we've talked about your dogs, well, let's just get their names in. Tell me their names. Uh, Teddy and Bear. Teddy and Bear. Oh, oh my God. So when okay, I call just, it's pretty easy. It's oh. Teddy Bear. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God, that is great. Well, we're going to be talking about some really serious, um, some serious subject matter today. 
but also some hopeful as well. So how did how did the Mitchell Thorpe Foundation first get started? Yes, well, it's in memory of our precious son Mitchell. Uh, we've uh, formed the uh, foundation uh, almost like a year after his passing, which he passed in uh, 2008. So we are now like on our 14th year um, with the foundation, and um, it really was in our deepest pain of grief of that. For me, I'm a faced old woman, so God spoke to my spirit that said to me clearly when I was curled up in a ball, not wanting to be on the planet anymore, and just could not see moving forward. But he clearly resonated in my mind and in my, just through my whole spirit. And he said, this is not the mm-hmm. end. This is the beginning. And then I sat up and I looked toward the heavenlies and I was like, well, it oh. certainly feels like the end. This doesn't feel like the beginning, but I didn't really know what he meant by that. I really did not. Right. So um, we just kind of moved forward. My husband had a similar message, and he came home to tell me that same week that he had that Hmm. calling and said, you know, we really, he came to me and said, we really should form a foundation to help many going through what we went through. And I was really kind of like, you want to do what? I was like, wait, wait, we don't even know anything about starting a foundation. You know, it's kind of like, okay. But then I had to sit back and think, you know, well, maybe that's what he meant. So now when you fast forward, and I'm fast forwarding now, and I can really see the fingerprints of God through it all and how we've touched thousands of children and families later and given back over 3 million and counting, it keeps going up all the time, uh, uh, back into the community to help children fighting for their tomorrows. And and that has just kind of been um, uh, just a huge blessing to see how it all has unfolded from a grassroots um, beginning and to where we are today. It's, it's, I don't know how people can't listen and not feel emotional. And, I mean, like my hand is over my heart. Um, I, I, I'm so appreciative that you can take your time to talk about this because you never know who's listening, who you might be resonating with right now. And for whatever reason, they may be thinking, Wow, this is this is speaking to me, me personally, and I I just think that it's beautiful, and I would really like to hear about your son Mitchell because I think I know a little bit about the fact that he was a baseball player, and we both like baseball. So tell oh, us yeah. about yours. Tell us about Mitchell. Well, Mitchell was a, just a beautiful spirit, you know. And I mean, I had to, you know, would read notes from teachers after his passing and and they would just say Mitchell just lit up the room when he'd walk in you know he was one of those very handsome young men and he was very Mm -hmm. talented and gifted he was a 4.0 student and he had a love for baseball that grew from his father who played Mm -hmm. for the Los Angeles Dodgers as a pitcher Mm -hmm. in in the minor league system um, until he tore out his shoulder but hard on pitchers you know but he took that Love and my husband coached many young boys in the community, um, baseball and life skills and and all the above. And so he, that's where his love of baseball came from. And he was being scouted even at the age of twelve. High school coaches wow. would be coming around and saying, "What high school is he going to?" You know, trying to coach, tell us to switch high schools to come on to their high school team. But you know, he was being sought after even at that young age, which is very interesting. And in that I, I knew he was talented, but. When others start to take notice, you're like, well, then he really must have something here. 
But then at the age of 13, he came home with very severe headaches and grabbed his head. And, you know, as a parent, you're like, okay, maybe he's coming down with the flu or maybe he's got what's going on. And give him some pain reliever and get to bed. And, and um, But the symptoms weren't getting better. And um, and then we just followed that route of going to the doctor, checking the boxes off, doing this, do that, mm-hmm. and you keep checking each indicated box off, but he still wasn't getting better. And then I really, as a mama bear, you kind of know, okay, something is seriously not right here. Because he hardly, we hardly ever went to the doctor except for occasional earaches or whatnot. We're pretty healthy family. Right. And uh, just to see this and not getting better, you're like, there's some, there's a root. What is happening here? And we were, it was a season of uh, confusion, season of chaos, mm-hmm. where doctors were sitting there mystified, kept scratching their heads. Test after test kept coming back negative, normal, but. He wasn't. He wasn't normal. He, he's suffering here. He's got severe head pain. I'm like, what is driving this head pain? And I couldn't constantly give him pain meds the rest of his life. It's just like, which we had to try and do to dull the pain. But after a while, you're trying to find the root cause. And mm-hmm. it was a rude awakening for our, for my husband and I, really, um, and for the medical system because we, you know, we we go in thinking that they know all these answers. We aren't the ones that should know how to right. treat all this and to figure it out. And so we have to really rely on them to run all their tests, which we were very, you know, in and out of so many different hospitals we did. And by the time, you know, to fast forward with your audience, this is going now, you know, a year after year after year and into five oh years. Oh, my gosh. And you're going in with a book with a three-ring binder that's just filled with all the things and of what doctors have done in the past and where they can start from. And so by the time he was in the hospital up in L.A., um, he was in uh, severe myoclonic seizures due to pain. And then you keep asking them, well, what's causing the pain? Please tell me what is mm-hmm. going on. And, you know, they brought their whole neurology team in, and then, then they say they couldn't find anything, and then they said, oh, it's all in his head. And you're like, oh. You think my son wants to be like this? <laughs> I'm showing right. pictures of him. He would rather be out on the baseball field and he wants to be with his friends. He's he's curled up here in seizuring due to pain. So anyway, it's one of those things that you kind of have to go through as parents. You know, um, um, It was just a very heart-wrenching time, I will just have to I say. I bet. I'm not the first family or person, whoever your audience is, is that's ever been misdiagnosed, undiagnosed. They just don't know what's going on. And um, in my son's case, he was undiagnosed to his death. So the symptoms came on at 13, and he passed at 18. Yeah, really hard. And he suffered all that time. Was he was he um, uh, was he able to talk and 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 communicate with you? I mean, was was he more out than in at this point when he was getting towards the the end of his life? Yeah. Well, first in you know because he was still able to talk. Yeah. Um, and then it slowly decreased, and it slowly got to the point where he couldn't talk. And then I had to read his body language, but he was in there because I would mm-hmm. communicate with him and, and just mm-hmm. say, you know, tell Mama, is this working? Is this helping? Tap the bed with your fingers if it's yes. If you don't move your fingers at all, it's no. I mean, that's where it really came to toward the end. It was just, it was just devastating. I just have to say, um, it was definitely a uh, season of life. Um, that was very hard, and mm-hmm. um, crying out to God, where are you, God, when I had so many people praying over us and pastors coming in and praying, you know, the whole thing. And right. And it was a test of our faith, no question. 
Absolutely. But, you know, when adversity hits, you got to allow adversity, I've learned, to spur your faith into action rather to keep questioning it. And believe me, I've questioned it. You know, why? I mean, that's human nature. Why is happening? Of course. You feel like, where are you? Where? Why aren't you answering our prayers? And and But it really begins to, when adversity hits, it really reveals a person's level of faith. And some people can either go the other way, and uh, that means right. either walk away from the situation, turn to alcohol and drugs to numb the pain, while others can dig in and keep the confidence of knowing that there's got to be something that we can do. So um, that's the direction we ended up taking. So when hard times come, instead of running for cover, uh, we just kind of had our commitment to, to trust God to show us what to do next because we were so lost. And um, Right. Yeah. And the so, more you depended on him, the more and greater our faith began to grow. So I bet it did. Okay. So is that? Would you say that that was probably what got you and Brad through some of this deepest pain and darkest time in your life? Well, yeah, it it was for sure. But there, I usually tell people who, especially after you lose a loved one, or um, mm-hmm. and loss can come in any forms. Whether it's loss of divorce, it could be loss of a job, it could be loss of you know, in, this, in my case, loss, loss of a child, which is the worst thing that anyone could ever go through. But just loss in general is, you know, there is definitely that grief. There's there's that grief process that we all go through. And um, many people might know but might not know the stages of grief. And for me, the first, when it happened, is shock. You're feeling shocked. It's just like, this is not happening. This is a right. bad dream. And you and for me, I was like a deer in headlights. I was just mm-hmm. walking around like a zombie. I was so in shock that I just, I, I was here on this planet, but it felt like I wasn't here. If that makes sense. Right. I just yeah. couldn't function. That's what shock does to people. And then you can move into denial, and that's when you go into this can't be happening. Please wake me from this nightmare. And then sometimes, and then follow that, it goes into anger, which sometimes you're questioning and you get angry. And yes. I saw that it was my son. Mitchell's brother and he got angry you know why didn't God save my brother you know and then you know and anger is okay just as long as it doesn't turn to sin but you know people get angry and that's okay you're letting that all those emotions come out Mm -hmm. and um, some people begin to bargain with you know I'll be better if I if you just save them or something like that bargaining depression then can hit in deep and for me that's began to happen because they usually say the deeper the love of that person, the harder the grief. And for me, I got into a, what they call complicated grief. And it took me two mm-hmm. years to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I had to seek help. And I usually mm-hmm. tell people, if you can't get out of it, it's okay to ask for help and, mm-hmm. and do so. Because sometimes we just can't see it. And so for right. my husband and my case, this was five years, in and out of the battlefield of trying to help mm-hmm. him and 24-7 care and hardship took a toll on our marriage, took a toll on our, on everything. And, I bet. Uh, yeah. So we had to go yeah. through finding someone, and I usually say find someone you trust, that you can, a counselor that you trust, that you feel that you can lay it all out there for them mm-hmm. to work with you. As And for us, a married couple, it was work through us. They first worked with my husband and then me and really – they took us through a whole exercise of forgiveness and because um, mm-hmm. we were stuck and we had to forgive yes. 
all the doctors that yes. couldn't find the answers, forgive people who said things they shouldn't have said, and family members that did things that they shouldn't have done, and yeah. you know, all those things keep building up and get thrust down in your soul, and it just, you have to, and they just took us through this whole thing of breaking things off so we can, and it really felt like a load of bricks was just taken off our shoulders and our backs, and just had to lay it all down because it no longer mm-hmm. served us. And for so many people, they keep carrying it around. And I've spoken many times in different grief things. And and that's where people, they can't forgive. That's where bitterness roots and anger. Mm-hmm. And they hang on to that. And they can't seem mm-hmm. to move forward. They get stuck. So um, forgiveness is a huge one and for, in order for you to begin to heal. So, yes. um, yeah, that's usually what took us to but get through that. But you know, um, it, that's that's a really hopeful um, and important message that you've given because it is shocking, and then you do want to deny it, and then you do get angry, and then you do get depressed. I mean, all of those elements that you've just described. If anyone's ever lost a loved one, I I certainly can relate to losing my husband instantly, and all of those things happened. So I I understand that. Um, I would like to talk about the incredible programs and services that you provide the families that you serve. And I might just add, you are in Carlsbad, you are in California, you are near San Diego, and that's where your organization is. But I'd love to know just what it is. I know you have like four major um, service programs, and I thought we could spend some time talking about all of them, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. And we do service all of California. Um, you do? So, yeah, we are associated with all the children's hospitals pretty much up and down the coast up until in L.A. and San Francisco, San Francisco area, uh, Lucille Packard up there. So that's kind of they know who we are. And um, usually we find families through the social workers Mm-hmm. Um, who the social workers refer families to us when they know they have nothing left that they've hit rock sure. bottom because usually that's when you would reach out to a foundation like us to help. Mm-hmm. Um, we started it with um, our very first program where we found the biggest need and that was our medical and home assistance and we found that we help families um, cover things that are not usually covered under insurance um, mm. that they get hit hard with. And so what your audience needs to understand what happened to me, usually one parent has to leave their job or take a leave of absence to stay by that child to advocate for them. And um, and sometimes this can be very long-term, especially if cancer, cancer treatments are usually 18 months, you know, if not longer. To And so that's where the hardship happens. And then the bills keep coming and the, the families kind of get upside down. So we sure. help them with that, medical and home assistance, and the home assistance is anything that um, they keep the lights on so they are not homeless, and then they aren't on the streets, and we'll, we'll help with uh, different things like that, anything with utility bills, keep food on the table, um, wow. rent or mortgage assistance. So the focus should be mainly on helping that child get through um, what they need to do. And uh, Because what happens is that loss of income, that financial burden, and the emotional stress is beyond measure, and 78% mm-hmm. of families usually end up uh, in divorce or separation, <clears throat> and we don't want that to ever happen. 
And we've had a 100% success rate in keeping families together since our founding, so that is something to be said. So that's a good thing. Because <laughs> we know right. how important you are to, you're stronger together than apart. And so how we do that is in our second program, which is our healing and rehabilitation program. And that, under that umbrella is a lot of counseling services for the whole family unit, and that's usually for trauma, uh, for the child, for the whole family, and even mm-hmm. sibling support because siblings get forgotten. We'll hire school tutors, <clears throat> whatever oh, it is to nice. sense in that environment. That's what we try to do. And then our Can third I ask program you, is, yeah, go ahead. Let me interrupt you just real quick. Um, are, do you work with Children's Hospital LA? Yes, we do. Yeah, because I, I, I'm just kind of thinking about associations that I have, and I, I'm, I was really happy to hear that you're not just um, supporting those folks in the, the um, San Diego, Carlsbad area, that you really do have support um, in other places as well, because, you know, my podcast obviously is, you know, go. it's not localized. It's not like we're doing a TV show and we're just on our own channel here. And I think that it's... Um, really remarkable when you just just listening to you say if a parent has to be so connected to that child that maybe they really are going to not be able to work and then how do you pay your rent you know you you the the compounding injury on injury must just be so horrific and so for you to be able to offer these kinds of programs, I didn't mean I do want to get back to them, but I do want to acknowledge that this is really remarkable. I, it really is tremendous. I'm, I'm so happy to be able to share what you're doing with others. So I interrupted you when you were talking about healing and rehabilitation. So tell me more about that. Yeah, and, you know, because we found that a lot of the – Families, excuse me, once they leave the hospitals, they want to continue with the therapies, and sometimes the therapies aren't always covered under insurance, and sometimes they're getting into some, you know, different types of things like um, swim therapy, RAINS, you know, that's a wow. horse therapy program, you know, all these types of things that they want to do, and, and neuro connection, neuro um, motor active um, for those what that are that, uh, that can't walk anymore, we were getting oh. ready to help a, a, a child now that with um, with a facility down here that is wheelchair bound um, due to um, brain cancer, and from the surgeries allowed him to be paralyzed. So you know we're helping with a lot of those therapies oh, that aren't necessarily covered um, under insurance, and so uh, we go. That's where the healing rehabilitation um, comes uh-huh. in with with um, the counseling services for the whole family unit. And then our third program came from um, a board member that was part of our program, and his child actually passed from a myochondria disease, but he helped us understand how uh, wheelchair conversion vans are very important for those that need them. So we started that with with him, and Hmm. we now can help families find them more affordable vans and um, help them with the uh, what it means to convert them to wheelchair conversions. And we collaborate a lot with the regional center uh, here, and the regional centers are up and down. They're all in the state of California. If you have a child uh-huh. that it has, um, they're really good about uh, putting some money toward that conversion. So, uh, yeah, so we've been able to do that. We've been able to honor up and, since we started about six vans and um, 
and they're not cheap, So, but we've been happy to mm-hmm. do that for those families that need to transport their children safely. And then a beautiful thing that came out of all this over these years was our we call it our Youth Leadership Council. And yeah. we found that many of these students throughout the community love being part of all of our events. And um, we knew we modeled our program after another foundation back east, and they had a youth program, and you thought, this would be a really wonderful thing to do because the youth has always been part of my heart. And uh, we started that program, and we trained them up in what calls servant leadership skills. So they learn really good leadership skills from uh, and training them what it is to give back to those uh, less fortunate. So it's a wonderful program that we started. It goes from 8th grade to 12th grade. Wow. It's a two-year, com- two-year commitment. We interview them, make sure they're a right fit, and um, they leave with a beautiful diploma and a certificate of recognition they can use uh, in a college app letter which they can use for all their college apps of how they were a part of this foundation and what they did and so that was a beautiful thing to see uh, come out of this too so I've always been a leader in running things and I've always had a servant's heart so uh, Mm -hmm. I partner with another gentleman and we kind of team train uh, them and so it's kind of wonderful to pour life into this next young generation that really need it. Well, yes. Well, what it and is to I'm, be a good leader in your community. Well, you know what I what I, what's occurring to me is that there's a lot going on in these families. Um, are, are the are the youth leadership council those eighth you know those eighth graders through twelfth grade? Do they personally have a relative that is fighting? That that is that is having severe medical issues, or is this separate from that? It's separate from that. It's usually I see. Um, yes, um, we might have one or two um, children that have we've helped. You know, they I could come from a larger family and they want to be part of this program because their their sibling was affected. So we do have a few of those in the program, but it's mainly a program uh, put out to the school system. And it is for those that want to be part of a, something bigger than themselves. And some of these things, these life skills aren't being really taught in the school system. No. And, uh, so they really come on board and uh, we empower them to have a voice. We teach them everything from, you know, we start the first session and, you know, public speaking. What does that mean to stand mm-hmm. up? You know, a lot of them don't even, they're so nervous, you know, they don't even know what to right. do. You're starting with these young children and uh, teaching them to um, have confidence and just to see them develop into wonderful um, adults, young adults. And right. Like for me, I lost a child, I thought, but I had gained like so many. I and mean, right now in my program, I have 60 students. So it's quite a few of them in there. And um, normally we cap it at 50, but you know, since COVID hit, so many parents were starving for you know things different for their children to learn. Right. So, um, I, yeah, we expanded I, it a little wow. bit. It's it's interesting, and I I I always apologize for this because I get excited and then I interrupt and don't let people finish their their sentence. But you you made me think about something that I experienced now, not obviously as a child, but um, you're probably familiar with Toastmasters, are you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very, I think very you good would organization. Be. It's an excellent organization, and uh, I, when I when I 
when I start to mention Toastmasters, then I hear my ands, my ums, and so, and like, and it's like, oh, my God. You know, I, I, it, it just, and you can feel that little ting in the can because you just did an ah. And it's, it's very interesting to be able to teach young people some of those skills because you don't know where it's going to lead them. And for them to be leaders in their schools, so how many schools do you currently have that that take part in this Youth Leadership Council? Well, down here in this region, we, we were representing about, um, I think it's 11 different schools. So we okay. take students from different schools, so not just mm-hmm. one school. Right. It's almost like, because they have to apply to be part of this program, and we actually put them through an interview, and because uh, mm-hmm. we want to make sure it's a right fit and that they're going to, you know, put in, you know, they, and what they're going to expect to get out of it. And, right. and that's why we make it a two-year commitment, and uh, because you can teach them these skills, and then mm-hmm. they come back year two, and you kind of go over them, and they forget. So it's like the uh-huh. older they get, <laughs> yes. they begin to mature with time, and then some of these right. things you keep drilling into them uh, begin to sink in. And, and it's so beautiful by the time we... We do what we call our senior send-off, and for those that are graduating out into college, they do a little presentation at the end. They have to mm. stand up, and we um, they do their talk and and how and what they learn through the program and how it's given back to them. And they just and that's when we present their diplomas and their plaques and whatnot at the end of those little mm. ceremonies. But it's just beautiful to see them from when they first started to standing up there with such confidence and being articulate. It's like oh. <laughs> So I know nice. it's so great do, and do they do you do they meet weekly monthly? How often does the council meet? Yes, we meet um once a month. We start mm-hmm. in August we interview in uh June July, and we mm-hmm. uh have our orientation in August and we go all the way through the school year through may and we meet once a month oh, I just you know i I think this is so fabulous i i I was um when when I before I got into podcasting and was living a life that included a husband and my children and things um I um got a job at our local YMCA and one of the programs that the Y has is youth and government and you mm-hmm. might be you might be familiar with that as well and I think that it's really interesting that regardless of where your interest lies that if you are a student and this is appealing to you because an eighth grader, they're still in middle school, you know, mm-hmm. that you can apply and translate this, which, you know, it's just it's a sidebar to what, you, what you're doing as far as, you know, wheelchair conversion and, and healing and rehabilitation and the medical and home assistance. This is, you, you may not have ever done this had, this, had this not just developed as it did, and I just... I just think it's fabulous, and you know, I think people need to know you are quite a leader, my friend. Um, okay. You have been a war. You are. You're humble, though. There's no doubt about your hum. You are a humble person, but you are a leader in your community, and you have been awarded for your great work. You were. You got the Community Impact Award in 2022. You got Nonprofit of the Year in 2020 by the Chamber of Commerce. You um, had an award for the Distinguished Humanitarian Award in 2020, and if that is not enough, 
you were given a certificate of special congressional recognition by the member of Congress of the United States of America. Holy cow. That's and I and and yet you will say, Oh, you know, it you like the hand is out like but you know, it's okay because that's your humility speaking. I know that but is, the reality yeah, is I know, yeah. I know that about you. But you you can be humble and still be a competent leader because oh, yeah. people are watching. People want to maybe emulate what it is that you do that would make them a good leader. So let's talk a little bit about leadership because I do think that that's very, very, it's very important to you, but it's very important to others that might be listening. So what are some of the ways that you would demonstrate your leadership qualities in your organization and to other organizations? Exactly. Well, we come from a servant leadership type of model. There are definitely lots of leadership programs out there that many of you might have been exposed to. But I'll speak to what how I move and operate, especially in a nonprofit world. And for mm-hmm. me, um, there's kind of uh, I, five principles. So the first one that always I start with is modeling the way. And I we clarify our values and our mission statement very clearly and um so for me, as a good leader, we have to clarify our values and establish guidelines and principles concerning the way people, in our case, people, student groups, uh, how they should be treated, and the way goals should be pursued. And so mm-hmm. we are very clear on that. So um, for me, um, as when you're modeling the way leaders not only talk about the way things should be done, they show the way that things should be done. So I am a very active leader. I'm right in there. And so I'm modeling things all the time um, in the way I move and operate in my organization as well as in front of the students. And um, so that's kind of a cool way. So that's kind of the first thing I'd say is model the way and clarify your values. Make sure it's very clear that your mission statement and your values and you act out those values, putting your action into, um, you know, practice. So the second mm-hmm. thing is... Um, I usually what we call inspire of shared vision, and then I enlist others. So the thing about good leaders is they're driven by a clear image of possibility and what their organization can become. I'm always viewing my organization at the 30,000-foot level, looking down Mm. at it, if that makes sense. It does. Almost like a a heavenly perspective because I try to get not – get stuck in all the minutia. My husband mm-hmm. says, you're getting too detailed. Take it up higher. You know, I'm looking always at the envisioning the future of this organization from when it first started, when God planted it into our spirits, and what he wants to do with it. So I'm always looking at that view. And um, I'm always envisioning the future, creating an ideal, unique image of what the group or our team or, or your organization can be. So Good leaders always enlist others in their dreams. That's about enlisting mm-hmm. others to come on board. So you have to breathe life into that vision so other people get it. And so, and they start seeing what you're doing and how active you are in the community, and they start following you, and they're like, I want to be part of that. Does that make sense? So right. Like, and then, so you have to inspire that vision. And then the third thing I usually do is I challenge the process a lot, which means in my business organization, um, I'm always searching with, and as well as my husband, it's not just on me, is searching for opportunities, and we are always taking risks. 
you know, good leaders, <laughs> we're always doing that. We're pioneers. Um, uh, we're always willing to step out into the unknown. And believe me, when we started this foundation, it was like when he first asked me, he said, do you want to do what? I said, we don't know anything about starting a, a foundation. So oh. we're always stepping out into the unknown. It's, you know, God always takes me out over the cliff. He says, okay, keep walking. So um, oh. the work of leaders is is change. And so um, for me, the status quo is unacceptable to me. So I'm always looking for mm-hmm. ways to grow, ways to improve. That's why our programs, we first started with just one program. That was our medical home assistance. And over the years, we saw how, oh, this is a program. These people, these families need help with this. We need to create a program around this, which is healing and rehabilitation. And then we became our second program. And then our third program. And then our youth came a part of it. So it's just like all these different little umbrellas start to grow mm-hmm. and, um, and, and work through that. So, and those listening, you know, always good leaders know that taking risks involves making mistakes and failures yes. along the way and disappointments. That's what makes good leaders. We learn from things that work that didn't work and always pick ourselves back up and ask why, what can we do better? So we always mm-hmm. do that. Um, and always, and not, especially even after all of our events that we do as well. And then, um, let's see, one of my other challenges that I do is I, oh, big one, I enable others to act, and I strengthen others because you have to bring people along. Leaders know that they can't do it alone. I certainly couldn't have done this business by myself. It isn't where it is today just by me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm the executive director, but I surround myself with strong people that are good in things that I'm not. And that's where I surround myself with uh, when I had to create a board of directors and mm-hmm. I needed people that were great in governance. That was not my thing. I had to create people mm-hmm. who, who understood how to do accounting and, and in marketing and all these different types of different sure. people that you need to surround yourself with. And good leaders know to do that because we can't be good in everything and uh, surround yourself with those. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say, the fifth Uh element is the fifth thing that I do is I just celebrate the values and victories, and that's important to me is that if we're not having fun and if I'm not encouraging others that they're doing a great job around me. So I always encourage the heart. I recognize contributions, those that um, do great work. We do that in our leadership program as well. We're always doing like the reward system (laughs) coming off our big Mm -hmm. event we just had. Uh, in February, and we had 100 volunteers out there, and a lot of them were our students. So we just came off one of our meetings and recognizing those that were standouts. And so that's important, too. And um, so those are kind of my tips of what I do to be leaders. I think it's it's, um, deliberate. That's what I would say, you know, that when when you are a leader and people are looking for what it is you do, then you need to be able to lead, like you said, by by example and clarity and all of this. But you have to also appreciate the skills of those around you, and um, and and celebrate. And I think that this is just, I think this is really wonderful. And how when did the actual um, council start? How many years ago did you start your youth leadership council? So that uh, was 
Uh, about it's 12 years. We've been doing 12 years of it. So it started when about our second, going into our third year into running the foundation where we began to recognize where a lot of these students were coming mm-hmm. out and wanting to be a part of what we were doing. And then we were looking at all this, you know, we knew as a foundation and a nonprofit, we also need help. We, You know, these young people are starving for what they need for first, community service hours in their area uh, to graduate high school. So they're looking sure. for service projects. And, uh, and then on top of that, the youth program, we first didn't really know what to do with it, but we... Um, started as a volunteer thing, and then we began to say, no, we need to structure this and really do a training mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. And that's how it developed into making it a more of a uh, actual, that they learn concepts of what it is to be a servant leader and, and, and what are some of these, these attributes and these characteristics that you need to demonstrate. So, And these, these are things and principles. I just in the last session, do they teach you this in school? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. No. All well, right. guess well, what? This is, good. <laughs> this is real good. You know, we we've talked. About, I I, I want to get into, you know, more about Mitchell and about your because um, you do have some um, tips for hope um, and encouragement, and I thought maybe you could share some of those to help others that have experienced loss. And then I would really like to speak about your book. So, do you have do you have some tips um, that you would suggest that people could do if they're looking for hope in sort of a dire situation? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so much. Well, first I would say, if you're in a, if those listening, if you are in the in the deepest pits of, like, where I was, where I just couldn't even see my way forward, and, mm-hmm. you know, life doesn't guarantee us all a bed of roses. It's just, life is challenging, and especially with COVID and all the loss that's happened right. to people through COVID and the destruction of all that. And it's just brought so much fear and anxiety on people. And, and we even see it through our young people. But, you know, um, I I just remember a tip for one, if you have lost a loved one or someone like that, I just think of that person and look ways to celebrate the life of that loved one, you know, and whatever it made them happy. And it could mm-hmm. be whatever it was. It could be maybe the your the loved one loved planting gardens or plant a small garden in behalf of your loved one. Whatever it is that, that brought them happiness, um, maybe begin to celebrate. I always tell other people, it's okay, acknowledge your feelings, take care of yourself, because what happens is we don't. Mm-hmm. And um, and I began to see my own health fail, um, and maintain a healthy diet. Try to get moving. Pull yourself up from your bootstraps. I mean, it's something I had to do. I had to learn to be a wife again to my husband and a mom to my other son, and and pull it together and be patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing, where I think we began to heal, is reach out to others dealing with loss. Get out of yourself and help right. someone else. And when you begin to do that, one little step, um, you'll be, it takes the focus off of what's going on with you and on to someone else because it's, it's. and yeah, it's baby steps, I have to say, but, you know, and mm-hmm. for me, um, 
I'm, I'm not shy about it. I'm just a faith-filled woman, and I stay close to my Lord and Savior, and I read my Bible every day. And and I'll leave people with this little quote that I tell people about having a strong faith because people say, oh, my gosh, Beth, I don't have the faith you do. I just, I can't, I could never do what you do. But, you know, and some people can't. But you mm-hmm. can take those baby steps. And I usually tell yes. people, faith, faith doesn't always take you out of your problems. When you learn to develop faith, faith takes you through the problem. And oh, faith yes. doesn't always take away the pain that you're feeling. Faith gives you the ability to handle the pain, if that makes sense. Mm, and then faith does. doesn't always take you out of the storms of life, because believe me, storms of life hit. And um, for us, it was a very long season, seven years in and out of hospitals, and five mm-hmm. years in, two years coming out of it. So faith doesn't always take you out of the storms of life, but for me, my faith helped calm me in the midst of the storm. So that is where my foundation lies, and um, mm-hmm. that's I'm speaking to me personally, whether that works for right. others. They find yes. it works for them. But I just say, you know, find that place. But I'll tell you, when adversity hits, it really begins to reveal one's level of faith. You're either going to be shaken and it'll tear everything apart, and or you have to get stronger, mm-hmm. and that's where your confidence comes from. And that's where people say, where did that confidence, where did that fire come from? And it only comes from God, that fire. Because mm-hmm. in me, I felt like, oh, the enemy just messed with the wrong mama bear. You know, he just <laughs> really ticked me off. You, he yeah, messed exactly. with the wrong mama and papa bear. And I just got so fired up where this fire in my belly just, and I don't know where that came from. I can only explain it. It would be from him because... Otherwise, I am very meek. As you know, I'm very humble. I'm a very nice. <laughs> and right. you don't expect these things to happen to you, right? So no, like, oh no. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, let's talk, let's talk about your book. And um, it's called A New. And it's, I like the way you've actually written the stylistic of it because A New is one word, and it's all in capitalization. And it says A New Creation finding meaning in the midst of tragedy. So let's talk a little bit about this book because I do want people to know that there's quite, there's some really exciting stuff that's coming out um, about you now in this book. So let's, let's spend some time talking about your book and why you wrote it. Oh yeah. The book, well, it was always in my heart to write it. It just took a while because I, Mm -hmm. I couldn't see, Again, remember I see the 30,000-foot level. I couldn't see God's fingerprints through it all. I want—I mean, three years in, no, I'm still going through it. I couldn't see, I couldn't see it all. It really mm-hmm. was when I wanted it out in our 10-year anniversary, and, and even then I understand what writer's block is now. It's just like nothing was flowing from my head to my heart to my fingers, and it was writer's block. And so it really was when COVID hit, and people would told me over the years, oh, my gosh, you really should tell your story. And when you hear that enough, you need to tell what God did through your story. Look what he did. He redeemed it. Look what happened. You need to tell people what you went through, and it would be such hopeful to people. And you hear that enough, you're like, well, then I better get to it, right? So <laughs> I, I got to it finally. And um, it took me nine months to write the manuscript, another six months with my editor, so a total of 15 months to write it, and it was um, quite an ordeal, I have to say, mm. because it's not an easy thing to do to relive it, 
to revisit right. it, to see um, what God was doing through our life through it. So it's really written as a witness for um, God uh, living through us and observing what was happening from, again, that 30,000-foot level when I couldn't understand what was happening around me. And um, it was just a journey. So I did photograph it a lot. Everything that, every chapter has got images. It oh. reads like a, be- yeah, so it's a very easy read. So it's, people can see the images of what, oh, that's what they look like. Oh, so it's a very easy read. People, and the, just the reviews alone, the book's been out now. It came out at the end of uh, 2022. So it, it's been out now for, oh, six, seven months. And, but, People have been reading it, and the reviews coming in have been beautiful to see what people say about it and um, how it's touched them. And and I'll just read one lady said. Please. She said, um, her name is Charissa, but I won't say her last name, but she says, what mm-hmm. a page turner. I just finished reading your book. What an incredible journey. At times the mountains in your life seem so high. But at other times, God gave you such incredible wings to fly. I so admire your faith, resilience, strength, commitment, love, and vision. Your lives are a true testament that when men and women turn their lives over to God, they will discover that he can make a lot out of their lives than they can. What an incredible legacy of service, love, and faith you have created. Wonderful book foundation, family, and story. And when I read that, it was one of my first reviews. That's why I kept it, and I just, like, cried. I, I was going to say, it must have brought you to tears. It oh did, my because, gosh. you know, when you write a book of this nature and you're pouring out such an authentic true story, you're like, how are people going to receive this? And so there was a little trepidation in my right. spirit. But to hear that first review come through, I just, I said, oh, okay. Oh, I'm that on is, the right that's path. good. I'm on the right mm-hmm. path. It's going to touch many people. And whether mm-hmm. you're a believer or a non-believer or whatever, it's for everyone. It's just our story and and how it will give you the perseverance, how to persevere through trial, if anything, and um, and to keep going. And it's just it's a beautiful thing to see that. And many more reviews have been coming in. So that's kind of nice to see. That makes me very happy. Did Brad help you with any of this? Did, well, uh, I wrote it, yes, and then I I had to sit with him and, and read, especially a lot of the baseball stuff. You know, that is mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not all my forte. I had to mm-hmm. sit with him because I'm writing the book like a story and dialogue in it. So I said, what was going on in this scene? What was happening with you and Mitch here? Uh, you know, explain to me from a father's point of view what you were feeling, what you were doing, you know, all those kinds of things. So, yes, he had to contribute because I – I had to write it from his perspective, too. Absolutely. And, uh, and not just mine. And so, you know, uh, so, yes, we had to do a lot of that back and forth. And, uh, and you know, working with a good editor also helps, mm-hmm. too, because she was very good at putting things back to me, saying, okay, let's redo this. <laughs> let's redo that. And, you know, you're like, okay. So it's just it's when- one of those processes. It's a very give and take and... I'm just, it's a long, arduous project, if anyone's thinking about writing a book, but <laughs> keep to it. Um, it is, I should say, it's a project. And, um, sure. And it's did you, something did that... You, is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm excited, so I interrupt. When, when you were going through this five-year process with, with Mitch, were you a journal writer? 
Did you did you um, keep a journal? People kept telling me to do that, and um, but you didn't. I didn't. I, I did a little yeah. bit here and there, but I would mm-hmm. not consider myself what they call a true journal writer. You know, um, uh-huh. writing writing every thought and feeling down. I I had to at the time because when you're walking this walk, my whole attention was for my son and right trying to get him well and to sit there and write about it and and just just was like okay I had no time for that but I know a lot of families do that now and um I see that with some of the families we're helping I think it's also a very good way to do that just to for you to heal and to process your thoughts and feelings and what you're going through and I know we did document it you know if you think about it back when I was walking this walk and I have to go back uh, Facebook and all that was not even around. It was MySpace. Right. So think about right. MySpace. I mean, I didn't even know what MySpace was, you know. And Why? and it wasn't that long ago, but how things have advanced. I mean, everything that we were walking through, uh, Mitchell's story was always, it was printed in the Union Tribune. Um, it was more print. Um, has anyone seen any of these kind of conditions? That you know, I, We were just searching for answers. Has anyone had these type of symptoms? You know, you're you're just constantly searching, and mm-hmm. it was just like, why, you know? And, and again, I can't go to the why anymore because I've asked enough why. But <clears throat> to not have doctors figure it out is is, is beyond me. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. So what do you hope that people will get out of reading your book? Although I think I could probably answer that for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like just that review that that people's spirits will be touched by our story and how mm-hmm. their hearts have been opened and just touched by reading all of the rich promises God has for them too. And um, and my hope is that our story will bring people peace, love, mm-hmm. joy, and perseverance to fight the good fight of faith in their everyday life. That's yeah. kind of like my hope. Mantra, sure. Um so I had mentioned your foundation earlier, the Mitchell Thorpe. Dot, uh, Mitchell Thorpe. I'm sorry, Mitchell Thorpe. Dot. Org. Right. right. Mitchell Thorpe. Dot org. Right. I'm looking at it and I'm like, can't I read it? Um, you have something that you're. You have some pretty cool things that are happening. First of all, and I will. I'm including this in my blog, so you'll know that it will be there. You're actually um, making quite a nice offer, aren't you, about this book? Yes, actually, you know, you know at the end of the book, um, you, when you buy a book, which you can buy anywhere books are sold, which is online or any bookstore, that, wherever you buy your books, it's there. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the book, there's a free ebook edition that's available with every purchase of the book. And so you know that every book purchased um, goes back into the foundation to help another child fighting for their tomorrow. Right. So it's going back to that as well. So you not only get a free ebook with a book, and um, you can either go to my website, anewcreation.org, to find it. Correct. You can personally uh-huh. sign it and yes. mail it. Yes. Or you can just I, go online I, to Amazon uh-huh. or wherever you buy your books and get it there. I, it's funny because um, I, I've actually included that um, .org, that new creation, as a place for people to make it really simple for them. But you've got something else that's happening very soon right now. So what else is going on for you, like, right now? Oh, my goodness. This literally just happened. I know. 
yes. this month, even when we were talking at a time before I left on my trip and we were in um, negotiations and talking with two film producers uh, who are very interested in the story. And we are starting exactly um, March 2nd coming up, and they're going to be working with me, mentoring me on getting this book into a screenplay. So that is just <sighs> amazing because that is just like – Book is one thing, but to put it in film is just going to be a beautiful thing. So then you can have me back on your radio show when it comes out. We'll have a red carpet. Oh, and you you bet we will. <laughs> we, I mean, and I mean, do you, when you you're so funny, when you start writing this kind of a when you when now you've gotten over to the next another genre, do you do you visualize like who is Mitchell? Do you do you do you do you visualize those kinds of things, or is it too soon for that? It is a little bit too soon, but people, it's so funny when people say that. They say, oh, I know who can play you, Beth. Oh, I know who can play Brad. And then, oh, I know, so, you know, so you start collecting. um, We are starting to look at different actors and actresses as we see them in movies, and and especially child actors because we'll have to play out Mitchell's being young and playing him out since he's, you know, 13, so he's got an age and who best fits that role. But that, to me, is, that comes down after we truly get uh, what they say, the blueprint of mm-hmm. how the story will be told. And I was very clear with them, I'm an author, but I've never written a script. And they said, no worries, we mm-hmm. work with people just like you, but no one knows the story better than you. And mm-hmm. I said, I need to partner with people who have the cinematic view of how this will look on screen. So there's certain things that people, they do with books. They embellish it so it looks better on screen, I mean, versus what you tell it in a book, right? So it's right. a whole different way of writing, and it's, it'll be very interesting to see how this is a whole other area. So I tell people, you never can stop learning. <laughs> keep growing. You never know where God's going to take right. you. So. But, but keep I learning. think that's really that's true. Yeah. And it doesn't really even matter your age. No. Because because other because you can get very stagnant, um, you know. Uh, look at look at my lifestyle. I didn't anticipate being an instant widow. Now what, you know? And um, I have I have really found my purpose in what I do, just like you have found the purpose of not only this new exciting thing that you're doing in your book, but just the way you are so contributing and people can donate if people feel moved that they would like to help somebody look at how much money you have contributed to the well-being of somebody else when you close your eyes at night i i can't imagine there's my hand over my heart again i just can't imagine what what it must be like for you to say you know this is not what i planned this is not what i had in mind I wasn't going to be doing this. My son wasn't supposed to have these horrible headaches that ultimately went undiagnosed, which you have to also get over, which would be very frustrating for me because I want answers. Mm-hmm. But you've moved forward, and it's, it is really it is a testament to your faith. And um, I just I'm just delighted that you were able to share this with me. And like you said, you know, we're at the beginning of the year. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe at Christmas time we'll be talking about your short story. But um, 
you know, I, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. You are, as I said before, off the air, you are a productive woman. You do a lot of things that keep, you're keeping everybody afloat, but I know you don't do it on your own, and I know that you have the support of your husband. I know that you have the support of your son, and and you're making a difference. And it must just, I mean, this this, this youth council, I mean, wow, well, talk about some success stories that you're going to have. It's really remarkable, don't you think? Yeah. yeah, it is. It's beautiful. And there are a lot of those stories within the stories of even just that and all the children we've helped and just, we're sure. just that, con- that conduit to um, help because, you know, as parents, we go to we go to the end of the earth to try and help our kids. I mean, that's what we Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And, and that's what we do, and there, there's crazy how many, sometimes even cures and medicines are, um, which we've helped one family connect them to a pharmaceutical company and taking mm-hmm. the child's DNA and just just and working from that and getting um, a, a cure like a treatment drug for. It. So it's just it's amazing what parents do, and it's like you said, um, it's a beautiful thing to see. And we're just so happy to be part of helping families now. And um, yeah, we haven't looked back. You know, it, like you said, we would. It wasn't normally what you we thought we'd be doing. It was a total no. 360 degree turnaround of what uh, God had in planned to take a tragedy, and that's the subtitle: finding meaning in the midst of tragedy. And right. um, what He did with it, and turned it to a blessing to bring people closer to Him. And so that's that's what it's about. And I'll have to make sure I send you a book. There you go. Did I send you a book? So, not yet. Okay. Hand, <laughs> hand in one. the air. Okay. Um, I just, like I said, Beth, I, 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 I enjoy speaking to my, to my guests prior to the podcast because we don't know each other. We met on a, on a website together. And um, I've just been so impressed with your resilience and, and your ability to to move forward with something that is so positive and I it's going to be a great film and I'm going to have to think about who do I know um so I'm going to because I'm a connector conversations Good. plus connections you know equals community that's me honey so I, love that. I just thank want you. to I you're welcome so thank you so much for for joining me today and I think this is part 1 of a part 2 and I look forward to that as well and I just want everybody to go out there, check, check, check this out, see if this resonates with you, or maybe a loved one that you know. And you just never know where something like this can. So, thank you once again for for joining me today. And you're you're my um, last um, Monday of February, and I I know that. So, but you know, it doesn't stop here, honey. I tell you, I I got shows all next month, and the following month, and the following month. So uh, I'm in good stead. So for now, I'm going to just say thank you, and I hope that you all enjoyed this show, and I wish you all the best going forward, Beth. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome.